It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Welcome into another edition of the Raging Cajun Army. I'm your host, Matt Miguez, and homecoming was an eventful one Saturday at Cajun Field. The Cajuns were victorious over the Texas State Bobcats yet again by a final score of 31-3, improving the Cajuns' record to 6-2 on the year and 3-1 in the Sun Belt Conference. They now sit by themselves in the Sun Belt West and are bowl eligible for the second consecutive year and for the seventh time in the last nine years. To break down the game Saturday and to look forward to the short week is Jerry Bear. Jerry, what's going on, man? How are you, Matt? Thanks for having me as always. No, absolutely. And, you know, I didn't I didn't get to make the game for, for a family obligation. You were there. Yeah. What, obviously, I know what I saw on TV watching the game. What did you see live at Cajun Field Saturday? Uh, pretty much the same thing that you probably saw on TV. Uh, first half, team started off a little slow. Um, I thought that <clears throat> maybe the 16 days off might have kind of added a little bit more rust than what I've, I think what we have, what we were, should I say what we have hoped for. But at the same time, I, I like the fact that even after halftime, when the Cajuns went up 10-3, uh, it looked like the coaching staff, they were able to make some good adjustments. And they really, the offense was able to get moving again in the third quarter. I think they hung 21 in the third quarter alone to where they were able to put the game away um, come fourth quarter. It was 31-3, you know, at the end of the third quarter. So, started off a little bit slow, but did enough to, to win the game by four touchdowns. Still uh, beat the spread by, what, six points? Yeah. And, um you know, now it's that five-day turnaround to Coastal that, you know, we were talking about last week that I was, I'm a little concerned about just because it's such a quick turnaround to get, you know, to get uh, some practices in as well as get on a plane and fly out to Conway, South Carolina. But um, the atmosphere was great. The weather was good. Um, my wife and I and her family came into town and as well as mine. We all went to the homecoming parade Saturday morning. Um, just a great atmosphere all around. Uh, went tailgate. Uh, early Saturday afternoon before the game. The tailgating atmosphere was one of the best I've seen in a long time. Uh, very, very, uh, just just a very, um, what's, what's the word? How can I describe it? It was just, it was just a great event. Um, you know, we went by some of the RVs, checked out some of the tents, uh, walked to the student tailgate, which in my opinion was probably the most students I've seen uh, at a tailgate, at our tailgate spot since probably since I was a student yep. eight or nine years ago. So that was very impressive. And just, you could tell there's a vibe. There's, there's sort of a vibe um, around town uh, of, of this football team and what they've been able to do. Uh, the crowd itself, I think it was a little over 20,000, 20, yeah, 20 21, Yeah, and really, look, I know there's some people that are disappointed about it, but it's like I always say, you got to take baby steps, right? This is the first time I think since 2016, since the first two home games in 2016, where the Cajuns have had two straight home games of 20,000 yep. or more. So you got to start somewhere, right? No, the interest is, is starting to slowly come back. Uh, and really for the game itself, where we sit, we sit on the home side under the upper deck, uh, the top row of the first level. And that wind was whipping on our side because we have that sort of crease into the concourse. 
man, that wind was blowing. We ended up sitting in the student section, and uh, it was a lot warmer on that end, and just the weather was beautiful on that side. So um, just overall a great game, great atmosphere, nice to get the win. Now it's uh, now it's on the Coastal. Yeah, and, you know, the, like you said, the game started out slow. The first quarter, and I want to say that this was the first time this season that the Cajuns were held scoreless. Yeah, in the first quarter, I was I, I was in shock. Um, the, and then you know I hate to say it, but the offense kind of looked sloppy in the beginning. Yeah, and I know. Look, I got to give it to Texas State. They came out swinging on defense. They have a great front line. They did a great job putting pressure on Levi. I mean, Levi was scrambling for his life when he was trying to. I mean, he threw. I think in the first quarter alone, he probably threw like three or four passes out of bounds because he had nowhere to go. Uh, the run game was average, I think, in the first quarter. Not quite what we were used to. Um, and really, the the thing that stuck out to me was even after getting a few first downs on the first couple of drives, uh, it seemed like the drives would come to a stall, and that was that was concerning for me. Uh, luckily, defense. What more can I say? Of course, Coach Ron Roberts' defense strikes again. Um, it seemed like Texas State's offense, even when they would get a drive going, they couldn't finish. They wouldn't be able to. They couldn't keep it uh, going, and that's a compliment to the defense and the job that they did stopping drives and stopping momentum but uh the offense it took a little bit longer than we expected to than we had expected to um to get going and of course look robert hunt didn't play trey regus was dressed out but he didn't play um i want to say um jamarcus bradley i think he might have played but he didn't get any catches he played for a little bit yeah, yeah i saw him a few times and uh i remember well actually no i do remember him playing once or twice because there was a play <laughs> And I know the big debate comes in on how, what do we think of Levi Lewis, right? Well, there was one play, and this is the one time I'm, I was going to say something negative, but he Levi rolls out, and the thing about Levi is he could create opportunity with his legs. He rolls out to his left, and all of a sudden I see Jamarcus Bradley like wide open down the field, and I'm screaming from the stands, Bradley's open! Throw it to Bradley! Throw it to Bradley! And uh, I guess Levi didn't see him, but he was able to run out of bounds and get the first down still. But I'm like, he was open. Right. But that was the one. That's how I remember that Jamarcus Bradley did play, even though he didn't get any. Mm-hmm. He didn't get any catches because that one play, I'm just screaming, throw it to Bradley, throw it to Bradley. But uh, it, I think they limited him just because they didn't want to risk it. Right. Um, you know, going into Coastal, look, it's a five day turnaround. You're just coming off a 16 day uh, break. I think um, even with the fact that the Cajuns started off a little slow, again, they still won by four touchdowns. Right. So. Look, it is what it is. It's a win. It's a nice win. You're six and two. You're bowl eligible. And guess what? Yo Monroe lost to uh, Arkansas State this week. So guess who's in lone the lone first place spot in the yep. Sun Belt Western Division? The Louisiana Raging Cajuns. So here's here's the interesting thing. Like I said, you go the whole first quarter being scoreless. Each team punted twice in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, the first points of the game weren't scored until about halfway through the second. Six plays, 68 yards for the Cajuns. Elijah Mitchell had that big 40-yard touchdown run. Uh, that that hole that opened up for Mitchell was was unreal. Yeah, uh, you know the you, you see things like that better on TV than you do in person. And I, I saw from the the second that hole opened and the second Eli got the ball, I said he's gonna make one cut and he's gone. Yeah, and, and he was he did a great job eluding two defenders. Uh, two guys tried. I think two guys in the second level um, secondary were able to make contact with him, but he was able to bounce off of him. And that's what makes our running back so great is that it's not easy to take them down. It, it usually takes at least one, two, maybe three defenders to actually bring them down. And that's after they get 
five or six yards down the field, right? It's kind of like what Deuce McAllister used to do uh, when he played for the Saints. First defender, good luck. You better get some help because it's going to take at least three or four guys to bring him down, and that's after they had gotten five, six yards on the carry. So that's one thing about Eli. Um, they <laughs> One guy tried lowering his shoulder. He bumped. He just All he did was just bounce off of him, and he kept yep. going. And really, that was the first big play on offense that I noticed that really stuck out. There really weren't, weren't any big, big plays in the first half no. outside of that one run. Yeah, um, no, not really. You know, um. They would kind of get their five or six yards at a time, but there was no – you know, 20-yard play or 30-yard play. That was really the first one. Right. And, you know, Texas State went on a, a small drive of their own, going 10 plays, 60 yards. Took five minutes off the clock. A uh, minute 45 left in the in the half. They put a field goal through to, to make it a 7-3 game. But Stevie Arteague said, anything you can do. I can do better. I can do 13 yards better. That's right. Rolling from Texas State hits a 33-yarder. Arteague comes back with a 46-yarder against the wind. Might I add, so ten to three at the half for Louisiana, and you know we've always we always said that Billy Napier was was a second half adjustments kind of guy, but I think that really rang true, you know, on Saturday because the Cajuns' offense came out in the third quarter and scored twenty one unanswered points. <laughs> And they did it from the start. Uh, you know, from, one time, from the get-go. I spoke to a coach one time, actually used to coach at UL back in the day, and uh, he, he played for um, a P5 school as well. And he knew playing for those schools how good teams know how to turn it on when they feel like it. Um, you know, uh, he mentioned one time when actually when the Cajuns played, I think this was back in 09, they played Troy. And this was when Troy was – I mean, that was when they were Troy, right? They right. were winning the, the conference every year. And they had some, you know, they, they were they were really competing for top 25 spots back then. And uh, the Cajuns had played them the last game of the season. They went up 24-7 on the Cajuns. Cajuns come back, take a one-point lead. Well, you know, Troy comes back and wins. And after the game, one of the coaches was, was telling me, he's like, you know, that's the mark of a good team. When you, even when you struggle, you can just turn it on in a flash, just like that, and get and really put the game away. And that's kind of what the Cajuns did the other day, right? It's 10-3 at half. You know, I I felt good going into the locker room. I knew that, you know, the Cajuns have been a second-half team all season outside of that App State game. They've really come out swinging in the second half just about every single game, including against Mississippi State. Yeah. But they really turned it on in that third quarter. I mean, just in the third quarter alone, they put the game away. And so that's when I, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, we're able to do that. That's the mark of a good team. That's what good teams know how to do. They just turn it on when they feel like it. And – all Coach Napier and his staff had to do, they just made a few adjustments here and there, and the offense really started to click. And, and really, you started to see guys step up that you really don't get to see often. How about Chris Smith? Yeah. Fantastic job. He's a, I mean, he's a freshman. He's going to replace, pretty much replace that last slot with, with Raymond Colley once Raymond graduates this year. And not to mention, run TMC, Colley, Chris. Continues. What better way to – and he look, he complimented that the other day with his foot speed. That touchdown run he made was a thing of beauty. And, um, you know, it's of course, once again, it's good to see Nick Ralston step up. That touchdown pass to Ralston from Levi was beautiful. Yeah, that I, was, was awesome. I was just about to talk about that. It's, it's incredible how Levi can be dead in the water and he finds a way out. Yeah. 
Because I don't know if you remember that play, but he was scrambling for his life. Well, it looked like he was about to take off he, and run. He, and he was about to take off because yeah. he had no other option. And from my angle, I thought he crossed the line of scrimmage. I was kind of nervous. You see, everybody kind of thought they, that but he did. That's, see, that's the strength of Levi. Like I've always said, that's why I, I, I say he's a scrambling, a good scrambling quarterback. That's what scrambling quarterbacks do. When you're able to get on the rollout like that and you're elusive enough and you're still able to get a throw off like he did, I mean, that's, that's his strength. That is his strength. Yep. That is his strength. You know, I know a lot of times people – Say, well, I get nervous when he goes and sits in the pocket. Well, sometimes I kind of wish he doesn't sit in the pocket. because I don't want him to sit in the pocket ever. A, I think he's a great quarterback on the scramble. I've said it since since day one. He is great on passing on the rollout. He is, and he is much showed. better using his feet than yeah, he is. Yeah, he is great on the run. When he throws a pass on the run, it is a thing of beauty. And that was an example right there, that touchdown pass to Nick Ralston. Which, by the way, how about Nick Ralston, man? Yeah, he's, he's been... I'm telling you, man, he is the Taysom Hill of this football team. He's a multi-sport athlete, in he, case oh, you it show, know. Oh, it, it shows. Because, it shows. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw his baton celebration. <laughs> baseball. He, he, baseball hit, he hit that baseball to the moon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the next touchdown after that Ralston play, you, you talked about it, the Chris Smith 24-yard run. He, he bounced off one defender, caught the corner, and, you know, speedy backs like that, once you catch the corner... Yeah, there's, you know, there's nothing you're gonna do. You have no chance. And and how about how about the defense uh, halting that long drive that Texas State had in the third quarter? Michael Jacquette with, with the interception. big interception. Yeah, absolutely. you know I was kind of nervous. And I want and look, Mike, if you're listening, I love your swag, dude. Be careful after you pick it off. Don't stare at their sideline for too long. Yeah, go, we're sitting on that side. He picks it off. He's kind of running towards the sideline, staring yeah. at him. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to see that yellow handkerchief come out. Be careful. Be careful. Yeah, with that. the 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 penalties were were an issue Saturday, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. And then you know, right there at the end of the third, again, Levi, kind of using his his escapability, gets a pass off to Raymond Kale in the flat, and Kale catches the corner, and again, good luck catching speedy him. backs catching the corner. You're done. You're not going to catch Raymond Kale if it's one on one. No, uh, four plays, fifty yards, sixty yards. My apologies. Tap, uh, tapped off by the 34-yard pass from Levi to Raymond Kale for the 31-3 to lead, and that would be all she wrote yeah. from from Cajun Field. Recap some of the stats real quick. Levi Lewis was 13 of 21, 183 yards and two touchdowns. Quarterback rating of 82.4. Efficient day. Um, it was nothing, a good day. No, was a good nothing, day. nothing impressive. Nothing, nothing bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I know, look, the debate keeps going about Levi. I, I've heard it numerous times. Look, Levi is what he is. He's a good scrambling quarterback. The guy can throw a dart on the rollout. He's very elusive. And, you know, sometimes he, I find, he's, last week, I got to say, he didn't hesitate to run as much as he used to. A lot of times he would kind of, his first choice would be to get rid of the ball and throw it. Yeah. He ran a lot more last week. He was able to make the decision to, like, lower his head and take off. And, you add more weaponry to that offense when you have a quarterback that's elusive like that because yeah. now you're opening up opportunities because what happens is a lot of times, and this is where I was a little critical the other day because I thought Levi played an overall great game, but the one thing that I was a little kind of, eh, you know, on was there were a few times where he's on the rollout and I felt that he missed, like you'd see some wide open receivers in the flat and he would just keep running or he just wouldn't see him. And that's something that I think, I was like, man, you know, I wish he could do that. But at the same time, you know, I'm, that's not me on the field. I don't know what he sees on the field, you know. Now, right. granted, from the stands, it's a lot easier to notice that. But 
Um, one thing he can do is he can elude sacks. And um, I thought he did it sometimes. It's necessary to get rid of the ball. Sometimes you have to you get the two or three yards to get the first down. You don't have to make a big play all the time. But mix that in with the rushing attack, and really it's a, it's a fun offense to, to watch. Um, I think with Levi, he hasn't really thrown – he doesn't really throw many deep balls. He had that one deep ball to Peter LeBlanc into the wind. It was actually a nice throw. It was just into the wind, so he threw it a little bit behind him. But, I mean, if with no win, I think that's a touchdown, if you ask me, I think. But, look, it is what it is. But at the same time, I think he's done a fantastic job leading up to this point. Um, and really, uh, right now, the offense is clicking. You can tell it was clicking, especially when I saw what I saw in the third quarter. Of course, you, you hope Robert Hunt is healthy again. You hope Trey Regis can get back in, which I think Coach Napier said yeah, today. Yeah, Regis is going to be good to go You can Thursday expect night. Trey Regis to, to um, play Thursday night, which would be huge. So. Robert Hunt. I'm hearing is a little more 50, of a, 50, a game say. time decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's getting better, but the the one thing that the the coaching staff is going to look at is, I think it, I think it's going to end up being a situation that was similar to Trey Regis on Saturday. Yeah, Hunt's going to be dressed. He's going to be on the sidelines. But if he goes in, he goes in. And, and if, if not, he's if, if he's needed, they will use him. Sure. Otherwise, they're gonna rest. Him. No point, right? No, I agree. I, I think that. And look, that, I mean, that's the exact situation. Trey Gregus was in Saturday against Texas State. Look, you've got a tough stretch coming up, and I say that. Look, I mean, not I wouldn't say the toughest stretch because I mean you got South Al after this game, but still, you know, this is where I mean, look, you got to finish strong. You know, the everything that the Cajuns want is it's it, they control their own destiny. But in order to control your own destiny, you got to be healthy. You the only, have everything in the place. only goal that was set at the beginning of the season that is not obtainable now is beating Cap. I agree. That's the only goal that's not you can you're still very much in the race to win the West. You're very much in the race to be to win the conference as a whole mm-hmm. because let's be honest, every team still up in the East really and truly you've beaten well, and on top of that, you've got teams in the East right now that are fighting for that number one yeah. spot. I mean, you got you got State, tie. you've got Southern. Yeah, um, App still hanging on. I think that their grip on it has slipped tremendously. And you know who's catching fire right now? Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina's catching fire. Um, Which, huh, of course, run And the that. reason <laughs> the reason that I say that App's grip is is slipping more and more every day is Georgia State is at an all-time high right now for this season. Mm-hmm. Their season as a whole has been, you know, a storybook. Almost. They've been fun to watch. I've and, had the chance to watch a few of their games. And They're fun to watch. App State still has to go to Atlanta and play Georgia State. I'm telling you, man, that that, that could be a, that game could be close. So I really I really think yeah. that the East is going to come down to that matchup with State and Southern. Yeah, I think so. Well, it, I still consider App State to be in that mix. They're they're in the mix, but what what I'm saying is, if Georgia State beats App, yes, correct, it, That's which, which which I think will happen. If if I honestly, I'll, I I think you want App to lose to give the Cajuns a better chance to host. Right? Absolutely. Well, re- regardless, if Georgia Southern wins out, yeah, they win the East. Good point. Yes. There's there's no ifs ands or buts. But they have a tough schedule coming. They up, do. Though. They do. I mean, I, I won't I won't discredit that. I'm, they've I'm got pull Troy. They've got their schedule State. right now to see what I they think have left. They still have Arkansas State, if I'm not mistaken. I'm see. They don't have. They have a tough schedule coming up. It's not easy. They've got a bye this weekend, and then they have. 
Well, I, they don't have a bye. I'm sorry. They have Troy, ULM, Arkansas State, and then their big matchup with Georgia State. That's going to be a tough one. Those are so, a tough stretch. That, there's definitely it, – it, it's a tough stretch, but Arkansas State has proven that they are very vulnerable Yeah. if you find their weaknesses. But they have to go to Jonesboro. They do, and Jonesboro is a tough place to play. But a team like Georgia Southern against a defense like Arkansas State's, I yeah. think I think I think Georgia Southern could expose them. Possibly, Possibly I'll, I'll say yeah. I'll say this: either Georgia Southern wins out and apps out of the question, or Georgia State beats App and it comes down to who wins out of State and Southern. I think that's more wishful thinking for us as Cajun fans. Well, of course, we want that. Of I course, because because all of that is out of our hands. All right. we can control is our four games. Sure. Um. Now, granted, our four games is the easiest four game stretch in the country. I would hope. <laughs> but I, I look, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. No, um, I mean God no. Starting but, Thursday. Look, this Thursday uh, night is not gonna be easy. According according to ESPN's football power index, our they four should game, win out. Our four game stretch is the easiest stretch in the country. It should win out, but I wouldn't I wouldn't count it against them to to have trouble in one of those games. No. God God no. And I now, think, granted, I think South Alabama that to me. I think it, I think if the they're going three, to have trouble, it's going to be this Thursday night. I agree. Going to a place like Conway Regardless of their football history, I know that there's not a whole lot. It's a tough environment. Mm-hmm. Their fans love their football team. It's a tough place to play. They're a tough offense to break down. Their defense has been solid this year. There's just there's a lot of there's a lot of variables. the The weather could be a factor. There there's a like I said there's a lot of variables that go into this game for the Cajuns Thursday night. And I, I broke down some stats from Georgia's, I mean, Coastal Carolina. They're 87th nationally in passing offense. Mm-hmm. They're 37th nationally in rushing offense. Defensively, they're the 80th team in rushing defense, which bodes well for the Cajuns. It actually works in the Cajuns' favor, yes. but and, and this doesn't affect the Cajuns, but it's still an impressive stat. They are 10th in the country in passing yards allowed. Mm-hmm. They have a good secondary. Yeah. So that that could could be interesting if they can if that rushing defense can stand up a little bit and force the Cajuns to throw the ball. Well, we might be in some trouble. We'll see. Forty third and third down conversion percentage, and they are tied for sixty eighth in the country in points allowed. So now the weather, like I said, in coastal. Actually, might not be that bad. The high Thursday is 74 with a low of 53. Daytime precipitation only 10%. So the weather might actually be pretty nice mm-hmm. for for football. We're looking at about 60 degrees at kickoff. Um, so there's, I guess the weather won't be as much of a factor as, as maybe we thought. But what you, you said that at the beginning of the episode that you're kind of worried about this about this game, and I, I don't disagree. But what worries you about Coastal Carolina? Well, what worries me is that Coastal Carolina runs a very unique offense. That it, I mean, it, four days to prepare for it. It's it's tough. Now, granted, look, the Cajuns have had they've had sixteen days off. There's no question that I know for a fact that. Well, I'm not gonna say I know for a fact. I didn't talk to anyone, but I'm pretty sure that this coaching staff at least prepared for Coastal just as much as they did for Texas. Absolutely. And, and that kind of makes me feel a little bit better. But you're going on a five-day turnaround. You're going to their place, and you're flying to Conway, South Carolina. You're going to their place on a Thursday night. 
they're clicking right now. They just got a big win against Troy, and a very epic win in the last 30 seconds of the game. Um, and this is the same team that beat the Cajuns last year. So I know that this, this Cajun football team, they remember last year's game. Um, but it still worries me a little bit because just, and it's not just as much as Coastal Carolina that worries me. It's the time. That five-day turnaround is is scary. Yep. It's scary. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, we can get those guys healthy come Thursday. I'm hoping that these guys have a good week of practice this week and uh, wheels up on Wednesday and kick off at Thursday. Hopefully they can get uh, they can get it going and get a nice win and secure a 7-2 and two record. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, back to the, the stats from last week, we, we talked about the fact that Elijah, um, Trey Regis was out Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, run TMC was only MC. <laughs> run MC. MC combined for 209 yards mm-hmm. and a touchdown Yeah, in that game. So, they stepped up in Trey Regis' absence. And, obviously, you know, a couple other guys did as well. Chris Smith obviously had the seven carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. But one thing that's interesting is Levi Lewis had seven carries for 40 yards. Good. Good. I mean, look, that's I've been saying that. He, he needs to run a little bit more. You know, he's got the feet to do it. And, again, when you have your quarterback that's able to run, that can scramble, that can create opportunities on the scramble, mm-hmm. that that's that's extra weaponry that defense defenses have to prepare for. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, if I'm a defensive coordinator, whether it's at Coastal or South or Troy or ULM, and I'm looking at him – Throwing that little rollout touchdown pass to Nick Ralston, I mean, I, now I got to prepare for that. Right. I mean, that, that's good. You want that? So, no, I thought that was great. I think that's great. And Jalen Williams was your leading receiver, three catches for fifty yards. Kale had the one catch for thirty-four yards and a touchdown. Ralston had two catches for thirty-three yards and a touchdown. Jamal Bell had one catch for twenty-three. Uh, you had a lot of guys get involved. Neil Johnson. Had, had a big catch. I want to say that was a big first down conversion. Yeah. Hunter Bergeron had, got in as well with one catch for 11 yards. Pierce Meagle, two catches for 18 yards. So, you know, the, the ball was distributed to, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different receivers. It's nice to see, nice to see Jalen Williams and Jamal Bell get some touches. Um, I know Bell's hasn't really had as much opportunity since the Mississippi State game. Yeah. He had a great game against State, and I think he got hurt, didn't he? He did. Yeah, and uh, Jalen Williams, look, Jalen's going to be he's going to be a huge presence um, next year, I would think, more of a presence than he is now already. But um, it's nice to see those guys, especially like a guy like Pierce Meagle, to get to get catches. Yep. Right, that's huge. That's huge, and um, it just it's a compliment to the depth that this offense has and how many guys you really have to prepare for. Um, it was nice to see those guys get touches. And um, and it's also nice to see him get touches with Jamarcus Bradley being hurt because now you can't – I mean, obviously, Jamarcus is – I mean, you rely on the guy, right? But to see guys step up at a time when Jamarcus can't quite play or doesn't have that ability to really step up like he usually does and for them to step up in that opportunity and sort of fill that void – as a fan, that makes me feel a lot better because you again more weaponry, more guys that you have to prepare for if you're a yeah. defensive coach. And that, I mean, it's great because now it shows you the talent that we have as an offense and yeah. the playmakers that we have as well. Absolutely. And if you look at the defensive stats for the Cajuns, the leading tackler was Zion Hill with six. Leading tackler for Texas State was Brian London the second with thirteen. Well done. He had thirteen tackles for Texas State. And I want to say, I, I'm going to pull it up, but I, I'm going to pull up their roster to confirm. I think he is a defensive back for 
Texas State. I'm going to check right. He's a linebacker. Uh, 13 tackles. He is 38 on the year now. Uh, one thing that was interesting, neither quarterback was sacked mm-hmm. on Saturday, which, you know, is a testament to the offensive line play, obviously, and which is which is also surprising due to the fact that the Cajuns were missing their anchor yeah. in Robert Hunt, who, and I can't remember the writer of the article, but I read an article today that said Robert Hunt could be the mid-round steal of the draft. I could see. Look, he's <laughs> he's made a name for himself. He's made a name for himself, so he's he's earned it. Um. So there's there's interest from the pros in this Cajuns team. Obviously, you know we just talked about Robert Hunt. Michael Jaquette's been mentioned multiple times about a guy who can who can play at the next level with his with his size and his speed. Team stats from Saturday: total yards, Cajuns with four seventy nine. Texas State with 264. Rushing yards obviously dominated for the Cajuns, 296 to 58. Texas State with the slight edge in passing, 206 to 183. Like I said earlier, penalties were a... Got, no, man, that's sort of the penalties. Huge problem for the Cajuns. 12 penalties for 128 yards to Texas State's 4 for 40. Yeah, that, that was... Yeah, they looked undisciplined the other day with that. The late hits. You gotta... I mean, the hits out of bounds... The roughing the passer, and look, people people have been arguing the two roughing the passer calls that they called. I don't disagree with either one of them. Um, it's not so much. It wasn't so much the late hit that they were calling. It was the hands to the head to the and face. neck area. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. And look, I know they want to say the two penalties. You take away the two penalties, you're still at what nine or ten penalties already. Yeah, you're you're at ten. You can't you can't do that. You're, you you got look, you got to be more. You're ten penalties for ninety eight yards. Still unacceptable. See to me, that's sloppy. That's just sloppy. And I know people. Oh well, well, no, no, no. Twelve penalties. You can't you can't do that. All right. I know they got some people that are going to want to sugarcoat it. Oh well, it happens. No. You, offensive you, teams. You cannot like, commit those types. Offensive of teams like Coastal Carolina. You give up twelve penalties. You're in trouble. Well, you allow teams to extend drives. Thankfully, the Texas State offense didn't do much the other day. To yeah, where they couldn't capitalize. You didn't give them opportunity. Like, they didn't really capitalize on those opportunities. They were 3 of 13 on third down. But Coastal, Troy, ULM, you can't do that on those teams. Yeah, no, you that, cannot that, extend those drives. And the turnover battle, Cajuns win it again, 2-1. to one. All right. Um, the Cajuns have been phenomenal in the turnover battle this year. Um, the The... One thing that I've outside of the Mississippi State game, very first game of the year, the Cajuns have done a pretty solid job of taking care of the football. They have, yes. Um, they they don't force a whole lot of turnovers, but they do a great job of protecting the football. Yeah, I mean, even the one turnover the Cajuns had was what a fumble by uh, Elijah Mitchell, I believe it was, and it was reviewed because it was such a close call. Correct. You're gonna get those every now and then. It happens. Um, and Levi didn't throw any interceptions. There was no, you know, uh, key, there, there were no turnovers that, like, really worried me where, oh, my gosh, this is going to cost us the game. I mean, the game was out of reach when he fumbled it anyway. Yeah. I think we had left by the time they fumbled the ball. So, yeah, I, that, that was that, that was nice. That's nice to see when, you're, when your team doesn't turn the, the ball Cajun's over. The Cajuns' turnover ratio is at an even zero. Good. It's at an even zero. They have seven interceptions on the year. Uh, they have given the ball away via the fumble eight times. Happens. So <laughs> happens. So their their numbers equal out to a to an even zero. But now obviously you know the Cajuns are six and two, bowl eligible once again. They look forward to their game Thursday night against Coastal Carolina. Kickoff is at six thirty. 
on ESPNU. Correct. I think it was ESPN Plus. Is it Plus? I want I thought it was on. I thought it was on the U. I thought that's why we were playing on a Thursday night. Um, let me see. I'll check. Um, either either or. But um, with that being said, uh, we'll be at Pete's once again yeah. watching the game. So if you want to go somewhere, you don't want to be at home. It on is your couch, on the U. It is on the U. Okay, it so ESPN U. Six thirty kickoff. If you don't feel like uh, being at home and you rather go somewhere with your Cajun brethren, come to Pete's. We'll be at Pete's on Johnson Street watching the game like we always have. We went for the Arkansas State game, had a blast. It was a nice little turnout. Yep. Nice little turnout. And uh, they'll take care of you. They do a fantastic job over there. Lafayette tradition. you got to be part of the Lafayette tradition. Go to Pete's. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 6.30 kickoff. Pre-game show on ESPN 1420 will begin at 4.30 with Steve Pelican and Chris Gannon. Scott Prather helping out as well. And then at 6, they will turn it over to Jay Walker, Chris Lano, and Cody Juno. For more... Cajun football content. I will be on 1420 with Greg Larner Wednesday at 3. Awesome. Uh, we will be we will be doing Jay Walker's show Bird's Eye View. We'll be talking some uh, some Cajun's football there. So uh, you can tune in for that. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll have the two-minute drill right here in the break. And when we come back, we will do a quick preview of the basketball game tomorrow night. And we'll go ahead and wrap this one up right here on the Raven Cajun Army. And we're back here on the Raging Cajun Army. Matt and Jerry talking about basketball now. Tip off for the men's season is officially, we're looking at about 24 hours from right now. It is 6.30 on a Monday that we're sitting here recording for you. Even though it feels like 10 o'clock because of the time change. But it does. <laughs> but, you know, we're, 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 we're pumping through for the people of Raging Cajun Nation. There you go. So tip off Grind, tomorrow. baby. 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. It will be with uh, Dan McDonald and Eric Mouton on the call as they are each and every home game. Louisiana finished the season 19-13 and 13 last year. They will return a pair of starters and five letter winners from last year's team. Of course, I'm getting this from RagingCajuns.com. Junior guard Cedric Russell will be Louisiana's top returning scorer with senior P.J. Hardy also returning. Obviously, the other three returning players are Mason Oakland, Trajan Wesley, and Christian Lafayette. While a pair of Baton Rouge natives, Jalen Johnson and Kobe Julian, will receive significant playing time after each sitting out last season. Kobe Julian is kind of the big story mm-hmm. for the Cajuns team this year. Um, he was highly touted out of, out of Madison Prep, but then a torn ACL in the state championship game his senior year kind of you know, put a put a derailment in his time with the Cajuns. He sat out all of last year due to that injury, but he's back. From what I hear, he's 100% healthy. Um, also, from what I hear, he's better than he was before. That's good. So he's ready to go. He's excited to be a Cajun. Obviously, you know, there's there's big stories out of him, and I, I hope that, that he can back it up. But the big another big story is going to be the true freshman on this team. You know, you got Malik Wilson, who was the Class 2A Player of the Year in the state of Louisiana. Javon Lowry, Chris Spinkooch. I butchered that. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Calvin Temple. Uh, Calvin Temple, obviously highly regarded out of high school. They're among a group of talented newcomers for Louisiana, which also include junior transfers, 
Duguay and Tyrus Smith. God, I butchered that name too. But, you know, we're, we're playing a, a team that we seem to play almost every year. And that is Loyola New Orleans. Mm-hmm. They are 3-0 already this year. Um, they are averaging 117 points per game, Jerry. Well, hey, look, it'll be a good test. It'll be a good test to start the season for teams that can score like that. Um, I mean, this is one of those games you really want to set the tone. And really, this is one of those games you want to play everybody, right? You want to get the starting five. This is an opportunity for the starting five to really start to you really see what they can do. Uh, this is the first time they're going to be playing together as a team against some legit competition outside of your typical scrimmages and whatnot. So uh, you hope they get off to a good start, and then hopefully by the second half, Coach Marlin will be able to play some of the guys on the bench, give them some significant play time, and just kind of get their feet wet on the court. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading here, Loyola was ranked number 17 in the preseason NAIA poll. They finished 22-12 and 12 last year. Like, like I said before, opening the 2019 season 3-0. and However, the game tomorrow night against Louisiana will count as an exhibition. I thought it was a... No. For Loyola. But it's going to count as a real game for the Cajuns. Correct. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Never never seen that one before. Um, now, you can hear the game, Hot 1079, ESPN 1420, like always with Jay Walker. And then, like I said, on ESPN Plus with Dan McDonald and Eric Mouton. You can follow along on Twitter at Raging Cajuns Basketball. The series lead is in favor of Louisiana, eighteen to sixteen. In Lafayette, it is an eight to six comparison. In New Orleans, Loyola has won seven of nine. This is probably like way back in the like nineteen thirties. I'm sure probably Loyola was winning probably. games. Like that has Louisiana, no way. That... Louisiana has won the last six. Okay, that makes more sense. So it was probably probably like way back in the day whenever yeah, Loyola were winning probably. was winning those games. There's probably no so. Yeah. Um, and look, I'm I'm excited for to see what these younger guys can do. I'm kind of curious, like I said last week in last week's episode about what can we expect. I, I think these guys have talent, but it's going to take a little while for them to kind of click, right? Anytime you have a, new, a bunch of new faces, um, you, you sort of. You can't really you can't really have an answer right off the bat, right? You got to give them a few games to really gel. I think yep. it's going to be a better test come Saturday when they face McNeese uh, in the Cajun Dome, because obviously you're going to play a, it's a Southland school, it's a team that's a little bit up more on your level. Look, tomorrow night I really don't expect much. I expect the Cajuns to come out. They're hopefully they click well enough and put this game away. Loyola played the game a little bit closer than what I what I what I would have liked for last year. Uh, I think the Cajuns still won by like 13 or 14 points. But hopefully tomorrow night it can be a game where the Cajuns just come out swinging. You know, this game could be over by midway through the second half and Coach Marlin's playing a bunch of young guys and letting them, you know, score some baskets and just like I said, get their feet wet and and, and get some play time. But um, get the win tomorrow night, get ready for Magnese on Saturday, and then you've got a tough TCU game next Tuesday night. Go to hell, Magnese! Oh jeez. Okay, we're past that. Come on now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. Maybe for maybe for like the older generation, but like no, I had I, to. I, I am no Magnese. I hate to say it, but they're beneath us. I do not look at them as a rival. No. no. God no. No. I, no. They have, time to put that rivalry to bed. They once haven't been all. a rival for a long. Put that time. rivalry to bed once and for all. That is not. It's not even. A, I'm not even going to put Magnese and rival in the same sentence. I'm sorry. I'm getting triggered right now. I'm not even going to. No. 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 All no, right, no. Jerry. Whether it's the football team or the basketball team, any final thoughts? 
Uh, should be a great game on Thursday night. I think the Cajuns can come out swinging. I think they're going to have revenge on their minds. Uh, like I said, the biggest thing that worries me is the five-day turnaround. Um, I think part of why the Cajuns started off a little bit slow on Saturday, not to say they're thinking ahead, but you know, when you're off 16 days, you kind of have to kind of get the rust off. And I think they did that. I think the second half was, it makes me feel a lot better. And uh, they're going to think they'll carry that momentum in the Conway. I'm hoping the Cajuns can get about a 10 to 14 point win. They're actually favored by 14 points right now, which is yeah. shocking to me. I'll be on the road like that against a conference team. It's a compliment to Billy Napier and his staff and his, his football team and how good they are. So, uh, if, I mean, would you think I should make a prediction or? I mean, that, that's up to you. Yeah, I think the Cajuns can go up there. 34-20. I can see that. I'm going to say 31-14. Okay. I think the Cajuns' defense forces a couple turnovers, and they, they get away with a 17-point with a victory. Like we said, basketball Tuesday night at the Cajun Dome against Loyola. Want me to predict, predict that one, too? I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you want to. Look, look I mean, it, it should be, it should be, should be, I would hope, uh, somewhere, you know, 87 to 45 or something God, like that. God, I hope we score more than that. Uh, or nine, let's say 95 to we'll say 95 to 55, something like that. The, I think that would be a 40-point win, right? Yeah. No no pressure basketball team. No, no pressure no, at all. Absolutely. <laughs> um I I think I, I I go with your sentiment. I'm gonna say 92-57. Okay. Cajuns get out with a 35-point win. That's good Start enough. Hey, that's, that's good. No. So, like we said, basketball Tuesday night, 7 o'clock tip-off at the Cajun Dome. Busy day for Cajuns Athletics on Thursday as football plays Coastal at 6.30. Women's basketball opens their official season Thursday right. night in the Cajun Dome against Loyola New Orleans. Let's get off a good, let's get a good start there. They were 2-0 and in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. And then soccer plays in round one of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Foley, Alabama on Wednesday. That's awesome, and I want to congratulate Coach Lance Key on his first season, the success he's had with these girls. Look, to come in here first year and just kind of and really turn the program around in such a short amount of time and, and be competitive. This is only his first yep. year here. Um, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, the resume speaks for itself, right? I mean, we no, knew absolutely. when he got hired, I mean, his, his success – his track record was just outstanding. As a player, as a coach. As a player, as a, as a coach. I mean, he has success everywhere he goes. And so this is only the beginning. I mean, this is this is season one. I think it's only going to get better from here. And again, best of luck to the the, the women's soccer team. Congratulations to Coach Keen se- and his girls on a great season. And, and bring us the Sunbelt Championship. And, you know, real quickly, how about baseball and softball getting their feet wet last week? I was very – look, I had the chance to go to the baseball game yesterday, and it's it almost brought back some memories of 2014, that aggressive style of, of baseball, especially on offense. Um, but I was – you know, I was really concerned about the pitching coming in, um, you know, we, having to have I, a new – I think we got a uh, – we have a dude, staff, they've man. got some studs on the mound. I was very impressed. Uh, and really, uh, I, I think – I think it's going to be a good. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be great. Um, I, I'm very excited about uh, seeing how these guys develop, both pitching and whether it's pitching or or, or, or at the plate. Um, it's going to be fun watching this team develop. They've yeah. got some talent. They've got some. They've got that spunk, if you will. Uh, is that the word? Like some. Yeah. Uh, 
They've got that. They've got that. The, the that Degs. That Degs aggression. I can tell by the way they play. Look, very aggressive on the base running. I love it. I love it. I, no, I, hey, I, I loved it back in twenty four. I mean, we all loved it in twenty fourteen, right? Deg, that's Deg's ball right there. There, there, there wasn't, there wasn't much to not love. About well, what happens is you have like it's Deg, Matt Deg's style of baseball. The you're basically make the, you're forcing the other team to have to make a play, and I love that. You put the ball in their court, not to cross sports here, but you're you're forcing other teams to have to make a play, and I think that's that's kind of Matt Deggs' goal with this staff. It was crazy seeing him at third base um, again. It was yeah. cool seeing him at third base, but of course, um, I'll be honest with you, man. Watching him walk out, I think it was either him or Coach BJ Ryan walking out to the mound for the first time. That was tough to see. Yeah, that was tough to see because we're used to seeing Coach Robe, and usually they play Green Onions. They didn't play anything when they went out to the mound. Um, yeah, um, you know, because of of and, course that and, was Coach Robe's and, song. And if they do, like like you said, it was Coach Robe. I don't think it's going to be Green Onions. No. Well, um, we could still keep it for Booker T and the MGs. They're a great band. They oh, yeah. play another Booker T song. Yeah. Kind of not, not not use Coach Robe's song, but then play something else with no words and just kind of. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this: I know I'm, I'm looking far in advance, but that that Valentine's Day opener against against Southeastern. Oh, look! Is my be wife a, and I we already have uh, dinner planned the night before. It, it's so. going to be a it's going to be a tearjerker. It's going to be a tearjerker, and and you know I tell you I, I give props to the uh, we went to that homecoming parade the other day and give props. I got Kappa give Delta. Kappa Delta yep. that float. When I saw that big rope thirty six, I, I choked hey, up a little prop, bit. Props to Tulane. They yeah. brought one of each of their jerseys that was with awesome. the number thirty six. Class on it. act. I gotta say, I'm not I'm not the biggest Tulane fan, but on that roll wave, well yeah, done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but absolutely. no, on, and the, and of course, look, I got even though I gave KD a shout. My wife's a tri sigma, so she was a tri sigma. So she they 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 won she they won the float contest, so they won some type of contest for homecoming. So I gotta say, if I'm gonna give shout uh, shout out to. Katie, I got to give props to the Tri Sigma. Absolutely, um, but that was an awesome gesture to see that Rope Thirty Six, man. When I saw it down the street, I kind of I started to choke up a little bit. Like that is so awesome. But um, you know, no matter where we go, no matter what we celebrate in this uh, in this fan base, you know, Coach Rope will always be in our hearts. And um, this is going to be, I think, a season coming up to where you can you can honor the man with class, you can honor the man with dignity, and. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to baseball season. We still got a ways to go. You still got football to finish. Basketball has to do their thing. But, um, you know, baseball, I mean, in, in our culture, and especially in, in Cajun, with Cajun Nation, you know, baseball and softball looking good this fall. Yep. Looking really good this fall. Yep. Very you know, impressive. It's, a, it's an exciting time to be a Cajuns fan for just about any sport. Yeah, and I know, right now. and we talked about last week whether or not we should talk about the baseball and softball schedule. I think as time goes on, we get closer yeah, to we'll, the season. We'll, we'll, we'll break it. We'll, we'll break it down there. as as the season gets gets closer. Um, you know, we'll, we'll quickly there. There's a lot of great matchups on both schedules. I think Brian Maggard and Matt Deggs, and on the other side, Gary mm-hmm. Jerry Jerry Glasgow mm-hmm. did a phenomenal job of getting the getting the schedule set up. Yeah, um, we got so, some cool. We got yeah, some there, cool games. There, there's some a lot games. of matchups to look forward to in the spring. We'll get into that as as it gets closer, though. Like we said, football Thursday night, six thirty on ESPNU. Basketball Tuesday and Thursday, men and women respectively, both on ESPN Plus at seven p.m. All right, guys, you can follow us on Twitter at Raging Cajun Army. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army. Until next week, we will talk to you soon. Go Cajuns.